Are you ready? Welcome to Radio Grognard, King Size, the OSR podcast with more stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hi folks, old man Grognard here. Hope you're all doing well. It is a beautiful day out today for once, and it's not too cold. It's great. It's perfect. Anyway, oh, um, I want to talk about a few odds and ends about D&D, especially basic D&D. And we'll talk about that. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. After this. All right. I kind of wanted to talk about a few things. Well, just basically, you know, D&D type, type stuff, class and level, you know. Um, hit points. Why? Oh, I'm not going to say what are the hit points, but can it be done better? Are there other alternative ways to do hit points? There are, but a lot of people don't do that because hit points as an abstraction is really easy to use. And I'm not knocking that. I mean, yeah, I use it too, you know. I use hit points for characters and things like that. It's very easy to implement. But if you want something that's even easier, you can probably come up with something else. Uh, I know there are a few games out there like Mutants and Masterminds who do not have Hit points they have they have condition they have conditions health conditions or whatever same with Savage Worlds Savage Worlds does that too and I love the way they do it they give everybody give everybody three hit points every player character and it can go up or down from there and I kind of admire that uh, because I just sometimes I think giving a character 150 hit points a monster or whatever is it's an almost guaranteed, the more hit points you get, the longer the encounters or battles are going to take. Now, I'm not talking about on the player's side. I'm talking about on the GM side. When he has all kinds of monsters to run and other NPCs and things like that, you know, how long do you want those battles to go on? Okay. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But I'm thinking there is a, another way. What about, here's here, I'm just going to sort of fling stuff against the wall and see what sticks, if you know what I mean. What about percentages? Like, I'm 100%, I mean your phone, you look on your phone, it's 100%, 80%, 60%, mine is 84% right now. So, yeah, basically phone, phone, the phone analogy is good. But, what if you have characters who start out with 100, 100% and they go down from there? Think of it this way. The sanity rule in Call of Cthulhu. Your sanity will go down. You can recover some. But there are some things that are so catastrophic, the maximum number of your sanity is going to lower. It's, it's going to happen. You're going to run into stuff that just bends your mind so much. You're going to get some of your sanity back, but you know you've lost some permanently. How about if we do that with player characters and NPCs and any other characters? 
say they're all at 100%, they start at 100%, and things happen that would reduce their hit points. Okay, or not hit points, but, you know, their percentage. You know, he just hit you with eight, for 8%. So you knock off 8%. And then when you heal, you go back up to 100%. But as in Call of Cthulhu, there's going to be things out there that will knock you for a loop in certain ways, maybe special powers, special abilities of your of your opponent will do that. It, it'll do that to you. Uh, a little my lunch there, but yeah, say you come up against, oh, I don't know, um, mummy. Mummy rod. You know, that, that'll knock your percentage down. That'll, that'll knock your maximum down. But that's kind of a, to me, that's anything that's curable is kind of a temporary thing. But stuff like level loss or something to that effect that some creatures do, that will knock, instead of doing that, knock down, your, knock down their maximum hit points. You come out of it with a little less, you're, you're a little less healthy, but you are more healthy than you would if you were, die, you were dying. That, I know that's kind of screwy, but, but I think you get the point. Percentages, if we can figure out a way to do percentages, that would be very nice. I do like what, what uh, cast, uh, castles and crusades. I do like what Savage Worlds does because every time you take a hit, I mean a serious hit, and you're not just because first of all you're stunned, but if it's a big enough hit, you take a hit, and you that first point comes off, then you're a minus one for everything. Take a hit, get hit again, get another point off, you're a minus two for everything, and then you get the third one taken off, you're minus three. After that, you're down. I'm not saying dead, but you're down. But there is a certain there is a certain chance that you might bleed out or something like that. Because if you roll wrong on your whatever constitution or whatever they, whatever is safe, you could die on the spot, man. And I like that kind of heroic thing. You know, it's almost like a champions thing. Like champions, the way they do is because they split up body, they split up the hit points into body and stun. And usually have a lot more stun than body. So you can get stunned out. You can get, you know, you get your bell rung all day. But they do stuff like killing attacks, which does body. Actually, every every attack, unless it, set this, it says it, don't, it does stun only, does body. But significantly less than a stun attack, than, than the stun portion. But things like killing attacks, they go straight to your body. You will have a little stun taken off, but it will go straight into your body, and you could die from those. It's reflecting the genre, yes. Supers, they rarely die. And if they do, it's a big deal. Although I noticed in comics in the last 20 years, uh, more of them die. Yeah, they come back, but it seems like more of them die. You know what I mean? I mean, if Superman and Batman can die, there's something going on. But anyway, so you've got, you've got buddy, you got, body, you got stunned. There's nothing wrong with splitting that up the way they do that in, uh, in your games. Um, I tried the Fantastic Heroes and Witchery. They have something similar because you have you have your personal hit points and you have your class hit points, which is more hit points you get when you take your class or go up in class. And that's what's added. And when you go into combat, 
that's taken. And one of them, I can't remember if it was the, I think it was the class hit points. Those are taken off first. But once you start getting into the personal hit points, that's, then you're in trouble. Then you know you're in trouble. So there's, you can possibly split it out. I don't see why not. And there are other games that do this. I just can't recall them right now. But it is something to think about. I think percentages might be a good way to go. Who knows? I can try it. Another way is shorthand. Uh, uh, index card RPG. They have hearts. And each heart is worth 10 hit points. So you can have partial hearts taken away. And it's easier to keep track of, too. So you have, okay, you took seven hit points off that one heart. Once you get 10, there goes one heart. They use the video game analogy, which is good. Now, when I run it, I like to use also half hearts, which are five hit points. So you can have two and a half hearts left or something like that. I just wanted a little more granular. But it's another thing that makes it easier to track. And the battles don't, they don't last, you know, forever. I got a monster with 200 hit points. It's going to take forever to, to knock him down, especially if you, if it's one of those monsters that you need magical or plus one, at least weapons, to just do some damage to them. So there's that too. Anyway, that's just something to think about about hit points. As a matter of fact, more simplistic hit point procedures, if you can come up with one or adapt one from another game, would go great for conventions. Because you're basically doing one-shots anyway. There may, somebody may run like a two-part or something, but it's mostly one-shots. So, so that would probably be good to use when you are at a convention or some kind of public game where you're doing real short scenarios. Okay, the other thing I want to get into as far as um, basic d goes is classes. Because in most basic D&D, you have your racist class. So you don't play a dwarven cleric, you play a dwarf. You don't play an elven magic user, you play an elf, etc. And usually they give you the, the four human classes and the three demi-human classes. What do you want to do when you want to add a class? Or, uh, um, I mean, if it's a human class, it's probably easier. You can probably easier... Add, say, an alchemist or a ranger than you could, say, another demi-human. But why not? I say why not. For a long time, in fact, we did this in, in Beckme D&D and Labyrinth Lord. I wanted to play a gnome. I couldn't find anywhere where there is the gnome class. And so between my friend Matt, my GM Matt, and I, we came up with the gnome class for Labyrinth Lord. And it worked great. Um, and it, it just, it worked in a way that I didn't expect. Uh, because it was, it was actually really good and a viable class. I was very surprised. Uh, I, did I did my research. I did look in other things, like there were some... There was some PDFs out there for Labyrinth Lord to have other demi-human races, or Basic Fantasy has them too. Also, um, the uh, the Creature Crucible supplement Top Ballista. That's the first place I looked at because I knew they had gnomes in there, and so we adapted it to that. I think the game the games are you know much richer for having other other races classes in there. 
and also, here's one. Of, here's the thing. When you come up with racist class, say I wanted a gnome. How does a gnome fit in the world? What makes a gnome different than, say, a, a fighter or a dwarf? Because basically the, the, it breaks down like this. Dwarves are basically really tough fighters. Halflings are sneaky types with a bit of thievery. But they, they are also fighters with a bit of thievery. And elves are basically uh, fighter magic users. And so where does, where does your other race that you want to come up with fit in? Well... What I came up with was, okay, the elves are fighter magic users. I'm going to make gnomes thief magic users because it just seems to fit. Now, the problem I had when I did it, and I, I kind of worked around I didn't really work around it, but anyway, in basic D&D, in Beckme D&D, and even Labyrinth Lord, you have, I, I like gnome illusionists because they seem to be suited for that. I remember back in first edition. But I couldn't because there is one, one illusion spell in the whole rule cyclopedia. One illusion spell. Phantasmal force. That's it. I was so surprised to see that. So I had to make him a general magic user. And that, that works. Um, but he'll probably specialize in that. And that's the thing about specialization. If you're going to come up with another class, a racist class, think about, and even, even with the regular classes that are in the books, I, yes, there are no dwarven clerics, but you may have a dwarven holy man who just happens to be a fighter, and he leans towards that for a certain god or gods. Uh, there are no rangers in in basic D&D. But there's no reason that you can't play a fighter that way. A, or an elf. Even better, an elven ranger. Because they've already got the magic. And there's no reason you can't have a human ranger that may know a few cantrips. Or if you want to do away with the, the magic stuff at all, you can do that too. But, you know, he could. they can... See, you, you got to think, when you're making characters, when they're making characters, you got to think about one of the things you should think about is what is your character's tendency? Does he lean one way or another as far as a different, say, subclass of another game? I mean, this character, okay, this character is a thief, but he's really good at killing people or something that, or he has a fascination with death or whatever, and he really likes to become an assassin. So just lean your character that way. Play it as a thief, but lean your character that way. Maybe he's got some kind of speciality, and there are skills in there are some skills in Beckme that you could probably adapt to that. And maybe he has better. And when you when you throw in weapon mastery, you have okay. He's really good at a stiletto or a, some kind of like mini crossbow or something like that that he's really good at. He's really good at hitting things and dam giving him more damage. So these are things, what you have to do in basic is sort of lean your character into something if you want if you want a subclass or some, some class that isn't in there. And that includes other races. 
I'm sure there's a way of adapting things like tabaxi um, or gremlins or something like that. But anyway, I just wanted to put that bee in your bonnet so you could think about it and maybe have some fun. I got to start my day. So if you guys want to talk to me about this or anything else, oldmangrognard at gmail.com or drop me a voicemail at Spotify for podcasters. Dot com. I think it is. Anyway. Um, and if oh, we are monetized, so as little as 99 cents a month, you too can help support this program. And I would thank you for single donations. Go to my Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash oldmangrognard or my PayPal tip jar, paypal.me slash oldmangrognard. Let me thank these people who do give to me monthly. Gilbert Suarez, Juan Carlos Llewellyn, Benjamin Rodell, John Allen Large, and Aaron. Thank you very much. For other good podcasts, we have Dan Griggs, the Young, Y-U-N-G, Young Grognarn Podcast, Kevin at the Red Caps Podcast, Daniel Norton's Bandits Keep Podcast, Randy and Joe's Biggest Geekest Podcast, Big John Allen Larges, the Red Dice Diaries, and my friend Eric Tankar's Tavern Chat. So, until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. You got questions? You got comments? Send them to oldmangrognarn at gmail.com. Tune in next time when Radio Grognard King Size is on the air.